we have a long ways to go to have what we call equality in gender positions. When you're looking at ways to diversify the economy, encourage entrepreneurship, change policy, having women involved at every level, it changes the conversation. I'm Lindsay Linton-Buck, and you're listening to Women in Wyoming, where I talk with inspiring and influential women around the state and learn about their lives, journeys, and how they got to where they are today. This is Chapter 4, Rising. This time, Rosie Berger, a community organizer, seven-term Wyoming legislator, and a founder of the Wyoming Women's Legislative Caucus and Leap into Leadership Program, which empowers women to run for government and leadership positions. I learn about Rosie's journey to serve in Wyoming's House of Representatives, how she's reinvented herself after her legislative career, and her love for building up and serving her community. Here's Rosie. Growing up on a dairy farm, the eldest of seven children, around animals and nature, and you know, a rural area where my parents were really good about bringing younger people into their lives. My father was a sportsman and loved to hunt, and so he was always teaching younger people, you know, how to hunt and do things together. So in his way, uh, someone who had an eighth grade education was teaching leadership and skills and confidence without, without the terminology, but just being. My mother was always striving to be better. She was always trying to improve herself. So again, not demanding that of her children, but she was a role model. Something else that she taught us was to write thank you notes and be appreciative of kind acts, to be appreciative of people around you. And when you live in a family that doesn't have very much, to know that what you have is a lot. And I think I've never lost that appreciation for how important your community is, your neighborhood, your family. And with that, they grow you up. By the time you were 13, you were determined to get a good education, learn French, and travel. And this is growing up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin. So where did that come from, and how has that impacted your sense of risk and life for you? Growing up on a dairy farm, so we had to have jobs. You know, I grew up with seven children, and everyone worked. At the age of 10, I was mowing lawns for my neighbor and cleaning house and babysitting, and I was at my friend Margie's. Margie had a degree in history of art, and she painted, and she, of course, she spoke French. She traveled. She lived, she was married to a dairy farmer, and I was helping her, and I was actually washing her dining room tile floor, and she was practicing her French, and I'm thinking, wow, I want to learn French. I want to go to France. So I got to make a plan, right? So I took French all four years in high school. I took business classes, and I learned how to get my passport, and I found a jobs abroad program in a magazine, and I saved it for four years. And then I applied, and I was accepted for the job abroad, and 
I'm 18 years old. I graduated from high school. I had never been on a train, and I had never been on an airplane. And a week after I graduated from high school, I boarded a plane for Holland. I met this group of students. We had a day of training. I then took a train by myself to Switzerland and was in a wonderful ski resort called Verbier, Switzerland, with a woman that didn't speak English. And that's how I started my year abroad. What was your biggest takeaway from that experience? Oh, you know, I think for me, being in that foreign setting, (laughs) it truly just unleashed all that the world had to offer. That with open eyes, one could experience the wonder of the world, learn from it, meet phenomenal people, see beautiful scenery. Also put value in your family. You know, that's probably why I have such a strong sense of family and friends, that they're at the core of your spirit, that they're always with you and how important they are to you. And it really strengthened my work ethic. You make a commitment and you don't turn back. You follow through. It's probably how I gained my self-confidence was that you had to figure out how to get from point A to point Z. And I had to figure out how to communicate with people in different languages. And it's one of those risks and opportunities that was a success for me. And it really grounded me on the fact that I could do anything I wanted to do if I put my mind to it. So you came back to school, you studied art history at the University of Wisconsin. And then tell me how you came out to Sheridan and got to Wyoming. Studying art history and French was a romantic idea. And it's something that I still cherish and is a part of my wandering the world and my appreciation for other cultures. And so it developed for me coming from a simple background. It developed a a sense of importance of culture. So I realized I wasn't going to get a job in art history. And in French, I would have to live in Europe. And that wasn't quite right at that point in my life. It's not a dream that I gave up on easily, but I realized, okay, this isn't going to work. So what's my next best opportunity? So I saw another ad. How about that, you know, where you could go to travel school. And I had tried to get a job as a travel agent in a really good company uh, in Madison while I was going to the university, but they said I needed experience. I mean, how many times as a young person heard this, you need experience. And if you had some, we'd probably hire you because you have the right personality. So I thought, well, this is great. So I found this school and I had to move to Minneapolis and I took a job as a nanny to support myself to get through travel school. And I came back to Madison, signed up again at the university, got another job, and then finally convinced the travel agency to hire me. And so guess what they did with me? I was their international expert (laughs) because I'd spent a year abroad. And I also was working, our clients were the university, so we had a lot of foreign professors and students. So I had this comfort level to work with these people 
because I had lived in foreign countries and was able to understand them and help them. And then I decided on a trip to Wyoming with friends. We went to Yellowstone and we decided to go camping and climb Yellowstone Peak. And I fell in love with the Rocky Mountains, really. And I thought, I bet I could get a job here. Did you open a newspaper or a magazine? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Another newspaper. And you know, this this is when you could advertise in newspapers and magazines and things really, you got results. Now we have social media. So it's a whole different way of communicating job openings and things. So I had been hiking in the Bighorns and I loved it over here. And so I applied for the job and I was able to get the job, but I couldn't find a place to live. Now, I didn't think I would stay in Sheridan forever. I thought I'd move on to somewhere else. After all, I really thought I was going back to Europe and speak French full time and live there for the rest of my life or something on that order. Lo and behold, I had the chance to buy the travel agency with two really great women friends. I met Bob, my husband, who has just been a great partner for 36 years. I mean, when you have a business on a main street and you live in Wyoming, you really get committed and you get the value of what community is about. And for someone who didn't know anyone, to be respected, to be trusted, to be given opportunities, to go far beyond what I thought my expectations were. And I thought, wow, this is a great community. And so I started doing even more volunteer work. So it's really what led me to politics, to the legislature, was that I just loved my community, Mm -hmm. and I love my state, and I love those opportunities. I saw opportunity. You've served in all these leadership roles, from being the oldest sibling to starting your business and being the president of the chamber and serving um, on the cultural and parks committee and um, all of these volunteer and philanthropic efforts that you've done serving in the legislature. So what inspired you to throw your name in the hat for that first campaign that you did and say, okay, I'm going to go this direction now? What was the inspiration? Yeah. At the time, I was an event coordinator and I'd been working on a project of the Polar Ranch cutting. So we transformed a working ranch into a public facility for 700 participants and 1,000 horses. So you're building a community, really. And I finally took time to become a class member of the 2002 Leadership Wyoming class. It's a very intensive program, Leadership Wyoming. You go to eight different communities. You have 40 class members. So again, very diverse backgrounds. You connect with agency heads and you go to Cheyenne and you see, oh my gosh, this is my government at work. And you realize you have friends at the legislature and you go, oh, I should say hi to these people. I should thank, I should thank them. So that was the first thing I did is I thanked my representatives and my senators for serving my community and me. And then in the spring, when we're just about to graduate, Senator Bruce Burns was vacating his seat as representative for the Senate. And I had various people say, you should run, you should run for this seat. And I was like, oh, no, no, I, I can't do this. In fact, I even asked my husband, Bob, I said, you should run for the seat. You're a Wyoming native. 
you're a lawyer, you know the state, you should, you'd be really good down there. And he said, no, and I love this part because he just said, we just need real people representing us. And you know this, you know this state well. What do you think he meant by that when he said we need real people representing us? I think he meant that you need people in the trenches. You need people that are living and breathing everyday lives of business and how to make ends meet and the challenges that come with it. We've had a tendency, and it's because of how our legislature is structured, that young people, it's very challenging for them to serve in the legislature. Because if you have a business, you can't leave it in the middle of winter. Uh, Cheyenne is so far away from most communities, right? And so I had that opportunity being a dual income and being in between, having a gap between my profession and what's next. I wasn't looking for what's next because I always found work. So that I knew I'd have something interesting that I would come up with. So wasn't worried there. And I think he thought that I had a really diverse background and that I would have empathy and I would have the connections from doing Leadership Wyoming and all the other things that I had served in that would probably be a well-rounded way of serving the people. And that I probably had a objective eye on legislation. Because it's not really that we need more laws. It's about how you enforce the laws. And then it's really about how you tweak the laws to adapt to modern day society and the needs. So I think just being a small business owner was the bottom line on that. What did you find when you went down to Cheyenne and were shifting into this new role? Really so different from anything I had done. And the one thing I'm really grateful for was that Leadership Wyoming connected me with so many people that I had built relationships with. You know, there were lobbyists and legislators and agency heads or employees that were involved in Leadership Wyoming. So you built those relationships. And it's the first thing I really appreciated was how important relationships were to legislating, to making policy. Because in my view, you never had your own idea as a policymaker. These, the legislation that you did, the policy that you created came from your constituency. And you have to have a huge respect for that and gain trust in these individuals that they could be authentic. They, people, you know, you're put in a very stressful situation. Um, you go from your working life, your community, and you're put in a fishbowl with 59 other members, lobbyists, constituents, temporary staff, all these really challenging issues, right? And you, you certainly cannot in a 60 days find a solution to all of these things. And then some issues become so huge, they overcome the rest of the process. And it creates high emotions. So you need to learn how to be steady and reliable. And so I had to learn how to be a good legislator, how to be a good speaker, how to administrate policy, and how to manage 60 people that in their own right are a leader because they were elected by their district, their community. And 
it's challenging to get us all to speak as one voice. And as we see, that's pretty much impossible today. And not that it was easy before, but to come to consensus, to be civil. So to learn those skills, that was my whole objective. And and I have a, a great experience that happened to me was as I was chairman of Appropriations Committee, the budget for Wyoming, I loved the Capitol and that building. And I thought about all the people before me and what they went through to make our lives better. It was probably like six o'clock in the morning and I'm walking down these halls and, and you know, the Capitol has really tall, high ceilings and marble floors. And it's pretty dark because there's really nobody there. So the very few lights are on. And I'm walking through the doors of the House of Representatives to pick up my work. And I just thought, wow, I get to do this. I get to serve the people of Wyoming. They trust me to be their voice. They trust me to manage the state budget. And obviously, that's why I'm there at 6 o'clock in the morning. But I want other people to have that same feeling. I want to be able to encourage them to be the best that they can be. Um, So we need to do these things. And we need to get out there and let women in particular know, you can do this. While you were serving in the legislature, you also started a couple programs to help empower more women to run for office, the Leap into Leadership Program and then the Wyoming Women's Legislative Caucus. Why was it important to you to to be creating those programs? It started pretty early, really, in my career, the Leap into Leadership and the Women's Legislative Caucus. And it was I started it based on not being whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, rather that we were just women wanting to learn more and to become the best that we could be. And that's how I talk with young women and little girls is you can do anything you want to do. And I think that when people talk about gender, it's it's an important issue in Wyoming. We We have a long ways to go to have what we call equality in gender positions. And that how having women involved, having a seat at the table at every level, whether it be politics, nonprofit, PTA, that it changes the conversation when you're looking at ways to diversify the economy, encourage entrepreneurship, change policy. You need to have a diverse group of people at the table right? You, you have to represent your your community. And when you look at the Wyoming legislature, which is a phenomenal institution, and being a citizen legislature, it's tremendous the sacrifice that people are willing um, to give in order to serve their communities. We just don't have enough women. So I said to these women, let's let's get some training. Let's get some speakers in. Let's figure out ways that we can improve our styles so that we can be confident. It was about building confidence. These women had the tools. They had the resources. They were very capable, brilliant people. They just needed to have a little boost that they could do this. And so that's what we started. And we met as friends, and we talked about our stories, and we 
lifted each other up just by being together and making friendships because we don't have a lot of time for that in the legislature. And realizing how rural and broad our state is, that when you bring a couple of hundred people together and you start networking, you realize you you develop a comfort that allows you to pick up the phone or send an email and actually create a relationship further. And, And to me, that is empowering women. You served for 14 years in the Wyoming legislature, and then your last re-election campaign were defeated in this upset loss. And I just wonder if you could, if you can take me back to that time and tell me about, mm-hmm. um, you know, what that was like and just your, your more recent journey of having to reframe and, and reinvent yourself now. I was in the legislature for 14 years, so I ran seven campaigns. And in my eighth campaign, I lost. And I was the majority floor leader at the time of losing. So I had a lot of responsibilities. And it was a shock. I thought that I would be have the opportunity to be the Speaker of the House. I mean, you're never sure of those things. But I mean, that was what we all thought would be the case. Well, and, and that was significant, too, because there hadn't been a female Speaker of the House since 1969, correct? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it was a big deal. And it was it was really this upset defeat. No one thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like you didn't see it coming either. Nor did our community. Right. You know, so that's that's a part of it. Nor did the legislature or whatever. But you take that risk for, for us in Wyoming when you're running for representative. You take that every two years. And so I went through it. It was kind of just overnight. It was like, oh, my. This is uh, an amazing experience. I've, I, my, I, I will tell you that my first thought was I failed. I have failed. And then I realized that, oh, no, that's not how this works. This is a democracy. And people elect individuals to represent them. So they chose someone else. So that was probably the start of my healing process, was going back to what I know. And that's that I've worked really hard to represent the people. I did not win that race. And that someone else did. And they chose them. So I must move on. And... Part of what I've, my philosophy has been with my legislative career was that I had a really great life before I became a legislator. I loved the journey as a legislator, and I really have had great opportunities after the legislature. And that as long as you embrace those experiences and you better yourself from them, and that's been so healing in just staying totally connected with my community because that was always the energy be- behind, it was the force behind why I did the things I did. So it was, it was pretty easy, actually. The landing wasn't too tough. And then I went, oh, I know so-and-so and there's this project and I can work on this and do that. And consequently, I still don't have an organized office because I haven't had time for that because there's so many projects, so many interesting people, and I don't see it stopping. When you think about this idea of risk and why, why should you take a risk, that, that little girl, or why should you get out there and keep going, why have you continued to take risks even when there's the possibility of not having the outcome that you've expected or wanted? Because every time I've taken a risk, I've learned something from it. I've bettered myself. I've become a better human being. I am 
certainly, I think, more humble. I'm more aware. I appreciate more the life that I have, the people around me, and what I have learned from failure, uh, because it's happened to me more than once. It teaches me how to get to the next step. And I think that's what we want to inspire here, is we want to have a can-do attitude and to be present, to teach young people to be the best that they can be, to instill in them that if they really work hard, they will have great opportunities before them. And that's a power that comes from self-awareness, from knowledge, from loving who you are, for loving where you live. And you can do this. It will be hard work. It will be fun. And at the end of the day, win or lose in any of these opportunities, you will be a better person. So jump in. What is the main lesson that you have learned so far on your journey and that that main piece of wisdom that you would want to share with the world? I think we forget to be spontaneous. That spontaneity is such a spirit. It creates a willingness to look at those opportunities and just say, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And you get to the crossroads and you say, okay, let's reevaluate this. Is it, is it good? Am I having fun? Do I have a purpose? Am I making a difference? And spontaneity to me is about the opportunities that are out there. And if you always look at your glass being half empty, I don't think you'll have very many chances at having a diverse journey. There is so much out there. And I, th- I think truly that hard work is my other part. Just recognizing that you're responsible that if you're given a position in leadership, you are responsible for others, own it, own it. And it doesn't matter if you only get two hours of sleep or that someone does not like you, you have a job to do. So get after it. That was former Wyoming legislator and leader, Rosie Berger. To see Rosie's full profile and portraits, visit womeninwyoming.com. That's womeninwyoming.com. You can also follow my journey on Instagram at womeninwyo, that's womeninwyo, or on Facebook at womeninwyoming. Chapter 4 is supported in part by the Wyoming Humanities Council and the Equipoise Fund. Momentum is our nonprofit fiscal partner. Additional funding for the Women in Wyoming exhibit comes from Jessica Case. The Women in Wyoming Multimedia Exhibit is on view from October 25, 2019 to August 2, 2020 at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West in Cody, Wyoming. The exhibit features large-scale portraits and audio soundscape and interactive components celebrating the achievements, power, and learned wisdom of Wyoming women today. I'm Lindsay Linton-Buck, and you've been listening to Women in Wyoming. Women in Wyoming.